so much for the welcome, and it's always a joy to um, be here. And uh, in recent years, it's been my joy to have the opportunity to minister in, in other places, but this is by far uh, the greatest place that I get to preach and minister, without a doubt. I love it here. You're family to me, you're, you're my friends, and this is definitely home, and we're glad to be here uh, amongst you. Thank you for the release that you've given to me and my family to be away for that extended period. Uh, we, we've had a terrific time. I think we've brought the weather back as well because the last two days you've had the sunshine. I'm not sure you've had the warmth, but certainly we've had the sunshine. And uh, we had a, a wonderful time as well. And uh, Chris and Julie and uh, their family joined, joined us. We went out just a couple of days before them and we just had a lovely time um, together. Just before I get into the, to the, to the word, it's, it's also important that I do make mention of this. I think most people are aware, but an important event happened whilst we were away uh, on holiday. It didn't take me by surprise because uh, he'd already asked me if it was going to be possible. And we had an hour in my office just talking about this. And what I'm talking about is, uh, for those who don't know, we have four children and uh, our eldest, Annie, um, it was uh, courting, it's an old-fashioned word, but I like it, uh, courting Jonathan, and uh, I don't know what it is about the Kirk boys at the moment, but we had an announcement about three weeks ago that Di's daughter, Olivia, uh, it, 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 Jacob had proposed to Olivia, and she said yes, and Jonathan appro- uh, proposed to my daughter, Annie, whilst we were away, and she said yes, so... quite funny really I walked into the office and Abigail uh, Austin um, said to me in her own imitable way she said uh, well you've got some weddings to pay for haven't you with three girls she says I hope you've got plenty of money or you'll be homeless in her own imitable way and thank God we did have a little bit of wisdom to just have some foresight with the fact that we do have three girls and uh, so next next year uh, they'll, be, they'll be getting married, and, um, and also Jacob and Olivia will be getting married as well. So, wow, like I said, these Kirk boys, they move quick. Okay, but that's an absolute joy, and we're, 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 we're glad in our hearts, just so you know, we're glad in our hearts that uh, Jonathan is, is part of our family. And uh, for those who are, who are going through that, it's just a point of reference you know, we have to make sure that we, we do all that we can for our kids to, you know, I remember Phil and Sharon uh, a number of years ago just talk about raising children and says you need to give them two things. You need to give them roots and you need to give them wings. So you need to apply roots so they know where they are. And secondly, you need to give them wings so they can fly and soar. And that has been an invaluable, uh, you know, lesson. And one of the things that we've always sought to do and Caroline want to do is actually create an environment and an atmosphere where our kids can flourish and they get it right and they do things right. And, uh, you know, when we do things right, we can fully expect, it's not arrogance, we can fully expect, expect the blessing of God to be upon our lives. We can't expect God to bless bad decisions and sinful behavior. But we can expect God to bless us when we're doing everything according to his word. Amen? And so, you know, kids, those who are, you know, teenage years and whatever, do it right. And you can fully expect God to bless you at every single turn. If you do it wrong, 
then you know, you're expecting God to just bless you in, in, your, in, 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 your, in your wrong decision making. So let's make sure that we get it right. And that, that applies to all of us. Anyway, let's move on, shall we? Because we're talking about Jesus' followers. And uh, it's been a real joy to be part of this series because I know over the number of weeks we've been talking about Jesus followers, what it means to be a Jesus follower, what it means to be a Jesus follower in our everyday normal life, what it means to be a Jesus follower in our, um, in our morality, what it means to be a G- Jesus follower in our obedience. And this morning what I want to address is what it means to be a Jesus follower with regards to our worship. There was a number of different titles that I could have given to it, but I want to talk about Jesus follower with our worship. Now, just to be clear, immediately we think of worship, we're immediately going to go to, oh, he's going to talk about singing. No, I'm not at all going to reference singing at all. We've got a wrong understanding of what worship is all about. We, we use the language, come on, let's enter into a time of worship. And that normally means we're going to sing some songs together. And I understand all of that. And there is worship and adoration and songs that we use, but I'm talking about being a Jesus follower with our worship, with our whole lives. And what does that look like? And so I wonder if you'd turn with me for a moment, please, to Exodus in chapter 20. Exodus in chapter 20. Hopefully the verses will come on the screens if you haven't got your Bible. And we're going to read from verse 1. And so this is what it says. This is, this is God speaking to the people at that time, that he had called by name, they were his people, but unfortunately the people of the Bible were very much like the people of, of our times, is that they had a love for God, but they wandered, and they wandered to other things, they were looking at other things, they were searching after other things, they began to worship other things, and there was some commandments that God brought to the earth, they were called the Ten Commandments. They used to be taught in the schools. Unfortunately, that is not the case now. They used to be the bedrock of our society. But unfortunately, that is not the case today. And they used to be at the very center of most churches. But unfortunately, that is always also not the case in some churches. But we need to go back to the Ten Commandments. Because these are commandments, these are instructions that God left to the people. And there are many people who could say, well, actually, you know, they're Old Testament and we're now in the New Testament. But we can see the Ten Commandments running through, right through the New, the New Testament. I'll bring reference to that shortly. But this is what God said to the people at that time. We're not going to read all ten, but we're going to firstly address the first two. And he says this, and God spoke all these words. He said, I am, I am the Lord your God. I brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. They were once slaves. They were bound for hundreds of years. They were oppressed by the Egyptians. And God says, I am, and I brought you out of this land of slavery. And he says this, you shall have no other gods before me. Let's carry on, shall we, if we can. To verse 4, you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them 
or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. We see there the first two commandments. God, first of all, says, I am the Lord, your God. He used the word Yahweh. I don't want to give you a history lesson, but that was the highest name that they could have used at that time. In fact, it was so sacred that it, 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 was, it was almost they couldn't speak the name Yahweh. He was basically, the word Yahweh means I am. I am in all things. I am before time and I am outside of time. I am the highest, I am the highest being in the whole of the universe. That is basically what God is saying. I am. I am the Lord. I am the Lord, your God. And he then goes on to say, the second thing is, that he, he, he uses this, this phrase, that you shall not worship any false idols before me. So we see the first one that God is setting in order, the fact that he is the Lord. And the second thing that he says is this, do not worship other gods. And we read verse 4 and 5 because he addresses the issue that people were bowing down and worshiping statues that man was making. And then he goes on to say, please don't worship these idols because I am a jealous God. I am jealous for your affection. Only worship me. And we see these verses come so strongly to the people at that time. In the New Testament, the commandments actually take a different form as they are spoken by Jesus. And this is what he says for those who say, well, that's Old Testament, we're in the New. This is what Jesus says in the New Testament. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And he says, this is the greatest commandment. Jesus too was addressing the issue of being a Jesus follower in our worship. In our worship. You may say, Christian, why are you using these verses to start? Where are we going with this? Because I don't see any idols in this church. I don't see any statues. We're not like the Catholics who, who bow down to the saints that's in the church, or we're not like the Hindu worshippers that have gods, small g gods, all around their homes. No, that's possibly true. And by the way, I'm not having a pop at the Catholics because I know many Catholics who stay, have stayed in the Catholic church. I can't quite get my head around it, but they're certainly lovers of God. And many of them know Jesus and many, many of them have a love for Jesus. And it's unfortunate that the Pentecostal church for many years kept them at arm's length. But actually there are many wonderful brothers and sisters in Christ who are in the Catholic church. And uh, are really making a difference in the Catholic church. I remember when I was in Milton Keynes, the Catholic priest there. I used to meet with him. And uh, there was a number of us that met. And he was the first one there who was speaking in tongues and really going for it. I think he almost used it as a badge. He wanted to let us know that he was spirit-filled. I love that. So I'm not having a pop at uh, uh, how they do. Neither am I having a pop at the, Hindu, the Hindus. What I'm trying to make the, the point is this. There are many people who set up gods. And you say, well, we're not like that. But here's the point. We can be. Because this message applies not just to that generation that we, that we read, it applies to this generation too. Because many of us, if not all of us, have and continue to do the exact thing 
that God commanded us against because we bow down and we are consumed by other things. We give our worship to other things. The greatest danger to Christianity is not Islam, which is extremism, or the gay agenda, which is liberalism. But the greatest challenge and the greatest danger to Christianity is materialism. The worship of what we own and what we want. It's the greatest challenge to Christianity. That is why if you go or travel, if you have the privilege of traveling to other countries that have very little, you can see in many of those cultures they have very little, but they have Jesus, and Jesus is enough for them. And that is why God is breaking out in wonderful ways. And the biggest challenge to many of those cultures and churches is that as they gain more, how will they continue to worship and follow Jesus? It seems like the more we have, the less in love we are with Jesus. And the less we have, the more we desire for Jesus. Please don't misunderstand this message. It's not a preach against what we have in that sense. If we have a nice car, Thank God for the nice car. If you have a lo- many of you have beautiful homes. Thank God for those beautiful homes. The challenge is this, is when we begin to worship those things. God says, I'm a jealous God. I want your worship. I want your worship. In 1992, I know it's a long time ago, some of you weren't even born. But there was a survey that I was made aware of And it was in the States. And they asked the people the question, how much money would they need to have to have the American dream? And those who earned $25,000 or less, around £20,000, thought they would need around £54,000. Double. And those in the $100,000 annual income bracket say that they could buy the dream for an average of $192,000 a year. What the figures were showing that these figures indicate that we typically think we have to double our income in order to find the good life. Most people equate the more money we have, the more possessions we have, the more happiness we will have. And yet the Bible says something completely different. Because in 1 Timothy 6 verse 6 it says this, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. Verse 7, For we brought nothing into this world, and we can take nothing out of it. You see, contented people are irresistibly attractive. I'll say that again. Contented, Contented people are irresistibly attractive. It's hard not to use examples of what you know, but one of the persons who I just remember who was content with what she had, and she genuinely was, was my nana, my mum's mum. Her father, uh, her husband, had died when when, when 
uh, he was 40 suddenly with a, with a brain tumor. And there was five children. And, uh, you know, the, the, I'm, I'm sure for my, for my nonna, for my grandma, things were tough. Things were hard. Things were difficult. But I always remember going to visit her. And she, she was the most clean person, but she was messy. Do you understand? She, things were everywhere, but she was just clean. And she was a great cook. And she used to make wonderful food. And she was just a wonderful, wonderful person. But you know, the thing that was most irresistible was her, was her contentment. She wasn't striving. She wasn't searching for the next thing. Possibly because she never had it. But she was content in what she had. It's a great challenge to me because I haven't, to be honest with you, always been content with what I've had and what I've owned. Because by nature, I am more aspirational. And some would even say ambitious. I've always wanted to get along and do and create and be. And that's a wonderful that's a wonderful thing to have, but it has to be tempered, it has to be controlled, and it has to be redeemed under Christ. Because otherwise, we, what we have, we're never grateful for. And what we have, we're always wanting more. Am I speaking to anybody today? And, and we can take our eyes upon off what is the most valuable and the most important, which Stephen drew us to, which is Jesus. And we can be drawn to all other things. We want to be a Jesus follower in our worship. I didn't have 20 pound on me. I've only got dollars on me because I still haven't been to the bank. So I don't know who's uh, given me this 20 pound, but thank you very much. Okay. (laughs) You will get it back, whoever you are. Just on the screen in a moment, there's going to be a picture that's going to come up on, on the screen because most of us have handled a £20 note or a £10 note or a £5 note. You've probably got the, this in your, in, your, um, in your wallets, in your purses, on your person. But here, I just produced something. I hope it's going to come up on the screen. Here we are. Can we just read together what that says? Not the £20 Bank of England, but what in the red, what red line? What does, it, what does it say after three? One, two, three. That can often be the case. I'm a piece of paper. And but yet for many of us, we can completely controlled by this piece of paper. In fact, can I go further on this point that I'm wanting to make? Because it is a strong message that I want to address because I think it's so important in this day and age. You know, I need to tell you the truth. I need to tell you the truth. And if we want to see God break out to the right and to the left, if we want to see God do incredible things amongst us, it isn't going to become by more worship songs. It isn't going to come through bigger buildings. It isn't going to become through more being more creative. Or if I can even, I'm being careful, even through more prayer or prayer meetings. If we're going to see God do what God wants to do here in this nation of ours, 
It's going to come through us returning back to him and worshipping him and not worshipping things like that I've got in my hand. Because some of us don't just, are not just controlled by it, but many of us worship it. There's only one time I've had a new car. I had the privilege of being able to buy a new car, the money to go and buy a new car. This is a bit of a confession here to you. It's not a great confession, but as I was preparing this ministry, it just came to me like a flash. You see, I dreamed about this car. I loved this car. I read up on it. I looked at it. I spent my days thinking about it. The night before, I remember going to sleep. I was thinking about it. In fact, I'm not even sure that I slept easily because I was so excited about getting this new car. Here's the confession. I probably spent more time that month thinking about that car than I did about Jesus. I was worshipping the car. You've heard me already. If you've got a nice car, I've got no problem with it if it's just a car to you. For me, I was worshipping this car. I, I could tell you everything about this car. I was worshipping a piece of metal. How sad. But before you consign me to be this saddo loser type, I've got a question for you. What do you think most about? Because idols and possessions come in all sorts of shapes and sizes. For those ladies, and I'm not being sexy to you, may say, you saddo on about cars. Because there's a lot of ladies that do like cars, but I also know a lot who don't. But ladies, what about that beautiful dress that you're dreaming about? Or that beautiful pair of shoes or leather boots that you're going to get this winter? Hello? I'm telling you, you may say, Christian, are you driving it a bit too far? I don't think I am, actually. I don't think I am. Because the list could be endless. The dream holiday, your dream partner, your hobby, lads, golf. Not looking at anybody in particular, Kev's looking away. (laughs) Football, that football team. Young Pearson, that band member. Who you've got the poster on the wall. It used to be One Direction. Ooh, Harry Styles. (laughs) Whoopie doo. Let's go a little bit wider. Your bank balance. If some of you spend more time looking at your bank balance online than you certainly do in your Bibles. Checking the stocks and shares. Your ISIS. What about that business? Your business. That new dress, that new pair of shoes. Kids, that new pair of trainers. I have to say this to our Isaac all the time. He's got a nice pair of basketball shoes. He got them this summer. And all he wants to do is show me the next pair of basketball shoes that he's going to get next summer. And I said to him, son, I'm not interested. 
enjoy the shoes that you have now. Can I hear an amen? Enjoy them now. Not keep thinking about the next pair of boots and trainers. Here's a big one. You may say, Christian, are you serious? Yeah, I'm being dead serious. I wish you'd got it with me. And we're all like this. And don't just say it's your kids. Your new mobile phone. You treasure it like a baby. You stroke it. You wipe it. You cushion it. You, you just are completely absorbed by this new piece of technology. Some of you are shaking your heads at me as though, yeah, right. Some of you aren't. These are some of the things that we can worship. But it gets worse because for those who have been in church for some time, let me give you a list for church people. Because in church, we can worship worship. So some people are in love with the worship. We're not meant to be worshiping the worship. We're meant to be worshiping Jesus. We worship the preacher. I don't think many people are worshiping me this morning. We worship buildings. We worship a tradition. We worship a philosophy of ministry. When we are called to worship God. We're called to be Jesus followers. To worship him. I am the Lord your God and I am a jealous God. And there are five simple things that I want to just work through that will help us to keep and stay free if we're going to be a Jesus follower. I want you to remember these five things because I think they're really important. They're very practical, but they're really important. The first thing is this. We need to remember with all that we have, all that we have is given from God. Just nudge the person next to you and say, all that you have is given from God. All that you have is given from God. When you're tempted to believe that what you've achieved, what you've accomplished, the influence, the power that you have is because of your intelligence and your brilliance, let me burst the bubble. It's all because of his favor. It's all because of his favor. Matthew 7 verse 26 reads this, look at the birds of the air, they do not sow or reap or stow away in barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Listen, you may say, well it's me, I go to work and I put food on my table. It's God who gives you the ability, it's God who's giving you the ability to get that job and to keep that job and for the strength to be able to work at that job to provide for your family. Can I hear an amen? It's the reality. All that we have is from God. We need to start being a little bit more grateful about what we have. And if you feel you haven't got much, you're actually being ungrateful before God because there's a reason why you haven't got much. But everything that you have, big or small, rich or poor, is from God. 1 Corinthians 4 verse 7 through to 8 puts it this way. For who do you know that really knows you, knows your heart? And even if they did, is there anything they would discover in you that you could take credit for? Listen, isn't everything you have and everything you are sheer gifts from God? So what's the point of all this comparing and competing? 
you already have all you need. Number two, five things you need to remember. All you have is from God. Secondly, he can give it and he can take it away. Many of you know the story of Job. Job was the wealthiest of all men. He was favored with children, beautiful wife, the richest man in the land in the east. You'll find it in the book of Job. And there was a test that came to Job. And that was, the test was, what if he loses everything? Will he still bless me? Will he still worship me? Will he still love me? Big question to ask of us. And that actually what happened. He lost sons and daughters. He lost livestock. He lost everything other than his wife. And even his health deteriorated. And Job realized that all that he had was given from God. And the Lord can give. And the Lord can take away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. This is the important thing that we must understand, guys, if we're going to be Jesus followers in our worship. Thirdly, our responsibility is to use what we have been given for the service of others. If we want to be a Jesus follower, then we need to understand that what we have is there for the service of others. So let me take you back to that new car of mine. It's not my car. If all that we have is given from God and God can give and God can take it away, I better make sure that I steward what he has given me very well. Because why would you continue to pour out to somebody who wants to be forever keeping it to themselves? John put it this way. We read in Luke in chapter 3 that he was preaching a very strong message to religious people and they were very annoyed with him. They would be because he called them a brood of vipers. It's not a nice thing to be described about yourself. And John was preaching a message that flew in the face of everything that was being preached at that time. And John the Baptist says this, if you have two shirts, give one to the poor. If you have food, share it with those who are hungry. I have to confess to you, I have more than one shirt. I have more than two shirts. I have many shirts. The principle is this, if we see somebody in need and you have something that you can help them with, let's share it because that is living out a Jesus follower in our worship. Can I hear an amen? That is what he's talking about. He's not talking about being guilty because you've got three or four nice shirts. Ladies, you're off the hook. You've got four or five nice dresses. It's not a problem. The point is this, that what we have, our responsibility, is that we share it and we give it away for the service of others. This is how we can keep and stay free if we want to be an untangled Jesus follower in our worship. Number four, don't become a master to what man has created. I love what this uh, Rick Godwin, Pastor Rick Godwin says this. He says, we picture idolatry as the worship of something evil. However, most of our idols are good servants that we have made lords. Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 8 says this, and this was the issue of the people of that time and has continued to run through right to the 21st century because we are exactly the same. Listen to this, this verse. Their land is full of idols. They bow down to the work of their hands to what their fingers have made. We may not be worshiping a gold idol 
a statue. But what we are doing is we're worshipping houses. We're worshipping dresses. We're worshipping football teams. We're, we're, we're worshipping cars. We're worshipping all kinds of things. And man has made all of these things. Number five, if we're going to ha- keep and stay free, we need to look to eternity. Listen to me very carefully. What we do now echoes in eternity. What we do now echoes in eternity. How you live your life now will have an effect on the life to come. Jesus put it this way in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus is saying there that we need to have an eye on eternity and we need to store up for ourselves treasure in heaven. It's clear that there is a storehouse in heaven that we can add to. And I really believe that it's our responsibility to steward what we have here on earth well for our future. I don't know whether you heard the one about there was this rich man who was near death and he was very grieved because he had worked so hard for his money. And he wanted to be able to take it with him to heaven. So he began to pray that he might be able to take some of his wealth with him. And an angel heard his plea and appeared to him and said to him, Sorry, but you can't take your wealth with you. The man implored the angel to speak to God to see if he might bend the rules. The man continued to pray that his wealth would follow him. And the angel reappeared and informed the man that God had decided to allow him to take Just one suitcase with him. Overjoyed, the man gathered his largest suitcase and filled it with pure gold bars and he placed it beside his bed. Soon afterwards, the man died and he showed up at the gate of heaven to greet St. Peter. I don't know why it's always St. Peter, but anyway, we'll carry on. St. Peter, seeing the suitcase, says, hold on, you can't bring that in here. But the man explained to St. Peter that he had permission And he asked him to go and verify his story with the Lord. And sure enough, St. Peter checked and came back to him saying, You're right. You're allowed to carry one suitcase in. But I'm supposed to check its contents before letting it through. So St. Peter opened the suitcase to inspect the worldly items that the man found too precious to leave behind and exclaimed, You brought pavement. For those who don't know the Bible, the Bible describes how heaven is paved with streets of gold. Our material treasures will not pass from this life to the next. But the good that has been done for the kingdom of God through the use of our treasures lasts for eternity. And the work God does in us through faithful giving, will last for eternity.
I wonder if the musicians would just come and join me on the platform. I've just got one verse of Scripture that I just want to finish with. And we're going to sing a song that we've been singing for a number of weeks in this church called Good, Good Father. And I just want to draw a response from us this morning as we consider how we can be a Jesus follower in our worship by putting away those things that have really held us, that we've been fixated on, that we've been fascinated by. Can I even use a word that we've been consumed by? And for us coming back to the love of the Father and we become in awe of Him and His presence, that we think about Him day and night throughout our day and we begin to worship Him. I gave you five practical things that would just enable us and help us and I hope they will serve you well in the days ahead. But this is what it says in 1 Corinthians 8 and verse 5 through to 6. Just listen to these words. Paul writes, There may be so-called gods both in heaven and on earth. And some people actually worship many gods and many lords. But for us, there is one God, the Father, by whom all things were created and for whom we live. And there is one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things were created and through whom we live. Paul was addressing this issue again. People in the world were serving other things. And he was drawing the people back in that church to say, listen, there's one God. There's one Lord. May we worship him. I wonder if we bow our heads and pray for a moment. Maybe your first time in or you've been...